Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Well, March is Lymphedema Awareness Month, and we did not want to let the month go by without highlighting this often underdiagnosed condition. In medical school, we learn about the lymphatic system, but certainly not as much as we learn about the other systems. And today we're going to talk with Louise Tanswell. She is the chairperson of the Lymphedema Education and Resource Network, and she has just founded LymphCare Hawaii, which is a nonprofit which she is starting to hopefully establish a network of resources for folks who are diagnosed and suffering with lymphedema. So thank you for joining me today, Louise, on the radio, on the body show. Thank you, Kathy. It's an honor to be with you. Now, lymphedema is something that, as a medical person, I have some knowledge of, but a lot of folks out there, they may not understand what it is. So if you were to just be describing for somebody, what is that? What does it look like? How would you define lymphedema? Well, in a nutshell, lymphedema is a chronic lymphatic disease that results in a disfiguring swelling in more in one or more part of the body. Um, it, the first challenge actually is spelling it um, and saying it. If you type it out, your um, computer will probably do a spell check and call it lymphoma, which is completely the wrong diagnosis. Um, it, is, it is divided into two types. It can be primary, where it's actually hereditary. Um, little babies can actually be born with defects in their lymphatic system. Or it can be secondary, which can occur um, any time in a person's life. It can affect any part of the body for many reasons. And so it is very difficult to really pinpoint um, what lymphedema is unless you know what you're looking at. And it's, it's interesting because uh, they do say that this disease impacts more Americans than AIDS Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, and uh, muscular dystrophy combined. So there's a lot and of they, folks who actually might is. be fact, diagnosed with this. Yeah, lymphedema affects 15% of all cancer patients. And who estimates that 250 million people live with lymphedema in the world? So spelling it is the first challenge. And then trying to explain exactly how you would diagnose it is the second challenge. As I said, it can, ha- it can happen and occur at any part in your body. It could be in your feet, your legs, your hands, your neck, and it can even form in the genitals. Well, let's talk first about how you spell it. You said that was challenge number one, so we'll take yes. on that one. How do you spell lymphedema? Okay, so in America, it's spelled L-Y-M-P-H-E- D-E-M-A. And in England, you may see it spelled with an O before the E. All right. So we've got the spelling. Challenge number one. So let's talk a little bit about the lymphatics. So a lot of people may not realize that we have several different circulatory systems in our body. One of them is the arterial system. That's what pumps oxygenated blood to various parts of the body. The second one is the venous system, which takes that blood that has already delivered its oxygen package to the body cells and brings that blood back through the heart to circulate through the lungs to go again and 
bring more oxygen to the body. But the third system that a lot of people don't know much about is the lymphatic system. And this is a system that often runs along the same course as the arteries and the veins, but it has a different purpose. Louise, why, why do we have a lymphatic system? What does it do? Well, it is a very important system to us. Um, it has many, um, many reasons for functioning, uh, mostly with fluid balance. It does recycle three to four liters of fluid back into the circulation every day. Um, also, it's very important for our um, immune system. It carries white blood cells, which help fight infection around the body, and also collects waste, such as abnormal cells, nasty viruses, including COVID-19, some excess proteins and bacteria, and takes them back into the circulation to be either recycled or just thrown out. So it's important for fluid balance. Um, as I said, it can recycle up to three or four liters a day back into the circulation. And it's also really important for our immune and infection so particularly you mentioned, you know, viruses and everyone's yeah. has COVID and coronavirus on the top of their tongue these days. And so, you know, when we talk about what the purpose is of the lymphatics, you know, part of the reason that we get over infections, you know, the, the lymph channels connect and there's lymph nodes that are involved in this. So people may be familiar that lymph nodes are where white blood cells kind of congregate to help fight an infection that might be in a nearby area. And so the way that those lymph nodes connect is through the lymph system, is that right? Yes, so it actually is a network of nodes and vessels all over the body, and it carries a colorless liquid called lymph, which makes up the lymphatic system. As you say, it's a bit like the circulatory system, but whereas the heart pumps um, the blood around, the lymphatic system relies on us to keep it flowing. So the muscles that we move and the ways in which we move our body and the general right. flow of the body's fluids, that's how lymph fluid gets around. Right. So, so if we stop moving, then our lymphatic system stops moving too. And deep breathing, you know the type of belly breathing that you learn about with yoga? That also is really important for returning the lymph back into the circulation. So there are some physical things people can do to try and help improve that circulation. You mentioned some of the deep breathing. So you earlier you said about 15% of all cancer patients get this and that there's the World Health Organization estimated about 250 million people worldwide yeah. live with this. Mm -hmm. What are the main causes of lymphedema? You mentioned primary, you mentioned secondary. So if we were to think about why are these cancer patients getting lymphedema, is it a particular type of cancer? I often think of lymphedema as something you might get if you've had breast cancer and had a mastectomy that removes some lymph nodes. Lymphedema is something that you get concerned about. What other types of cancers are associated with lymphedema? Well, any cancer that has had some kind of lymphatic insult, um, so even if you've just had a biopsy on your lymph nodes, you know, they do remove some nodes, very few now, thank goodness, but you do still have a slight risk, about a 5 or 6% risk of developing lymphedema on that side later on in your life. Um, and also cancer patients are so prone to getting lymphedema because of the treatments that they undergo, 
Um, if you think about the radiation that they have, you know, that burns through the skin. And when that burns through, it, it irradiates and destroys all the lymphatic systems that go with it just under the skin. So the very and purpose also, of treating the lymph node yeah, metastases, yeah. if there are any, actually right. affects that entire location and its future right. drainage. Okay. Right. And even some of the chemotherapy now, they're thinking, can cause the lymphatic pumping to be slow as well. So that can happen too. We are learning a lot about the lymph system today. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back on The Body Show, we're going to continue our discussion with Louise Tanswell about what are some of the recognizable features of lymphedema and what are the most important things to do if you think you might have it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Louise Tanswell on the line. She is the chairperson of the Lymphedema Education and Resource Network, and she has established a nonprofit here in Hawaii, LymphaCare Hawaii, and she is the founder of this organization and has a mission to help all of us to address lymphedema, not just as clinicians, but as patients and as providers as well. So right before the break, we were talking about causes of lymphedema, and we mentioned that some of the cancer treatments, whether it be surgery or radiation or even biopsies, can often be associated with lymphedema. You know, the other group of patients that I often associate with this is the group who tend to have problems with what we think might be varicose veins but in fact might actually be more of a lymphedema situation. So, you know, what are some of the symptoms of lymphedema? Top of my mind is like swollen legs or a swollen body part. Are those the common areas where people get it? Right. Well, and also, you know, it it can affect um, a leg, for instance, after you've had a blood clot post-DVT. Lymphedema can come on after just routine surgery, such as a knee or a hip replacement in particular, um, it could actually come on because of other chronic diseases you may have, such as rheumatoid arthritis or even after a cellulitis infection. And then lymphedema also causes cellulitis, so that's, that's a vicious circle on its own. Um, and one of my patients came to me because he had severe eczema, and I would never have thought that would cause lymphedema. And some of the signs and symptoms he complained of was a terrible tightness in his legs. You know, his skin was so tight and he could see his legs were swollen. He couldn't get his shoes on. Um, Often ladies that have mastectomies, some of the first things they notice is they can't get their ring on the finger or their clothes feel tight. Maybe they can't move their arm. There may just be like a weird feeling. It, It may be like an ache or a a dull tenderness. Um, And definitely, you know, there are different stages of lymphedema. In the early stages, you don't even know you have it. Um, That's stage zero. That just means that you've had some kind of insult to your lymphatic system. And at some time in your life, you may develop a swelling. Stage one is when the swelling comes and goes. And so it's very difficult 
to diagnose it in stage one, um, particularly if you've just had surgery, because if you go back to your surgeon, they're probably thinking it's post-operative swelling. But if that prolongs, you know, you really should pay attention and seek seek other help because it could be the early early signs of lymphedema developing in that in that arm. Um, stage two is when we generally see people, and that's when the swelling just doesn't go down. Um, you know, typically in stage one, it will come and go during uh, during the daytime. You may notice it swells up more, or when you get overheated. But in stage two, um, nothing takes that swelling down. So that's more easy to diagnose. Stage three is more severe, and that's when we see some quite severe skin changes. Um, The skin can become very hardened and fibrosed, um, discolored, and often getting ulcers and wounds. Is there a stage four? Um, I don't think so. Oh, that's good, because (laughs) stage three didn't sound that good. Well, if you Google it and you see some of these pictures, it's really terrifying as to what can happen if left untreated. You know, and actually I forgot to mention one of the other causes why so many people in the world have this disease is because of filariasis. Um, Filariasis is actually caused in the tropical areas by a mosquito biting you and then um, the larva actually attack your lymphatic system, destroying it. So there's a lot of people in the tropics that have great big swollen legs, and they just keep swelling with no treatment. And that actually turns into the to elephantitis, which you may have heard of. So we know that if you don't take care of this, it can mm-hmm. get really serious. So what are right. some of the ways that, you know, you mentioned that stage zero, you don't know you have it. Stage one, swelling comes and goes. If you get diagnosed with this, then what are some of the treatment options that you have? Well, the good news is um, hopefully if we can catch it early, it can be reversible. So that's that's the main thing to really get across today is, having people understand what it is, how to recognize it, and get early treatment. And clinics can be difficult to find, as I found out the hard way. I was trying to locate one for a friend of mine, and I really couldn't find them. And I'm a nurse, and I I think I know my my way around the system. But they're sort of hidden in the physical therapy departments of most of the hospitals. Um, And so getting in touch with them can be tricky. And having your doctor write a referral form can also be tricky because they don't know exactly where to send the form. I've actually had people from inside Queens and from Straub find me on the Internet first and ask me where their clinic is. So that's sort of a, a disconnect that we have on the island. But we can do so much when we get you into the clinics. The physical therapists are highly trained Um, The gold standard is called complete decongestive therapy because we're going to decongest that lymphatic system, get all the toxins out, get the swelling down, and keep it down. And we do that with four main standards of care, compression, and in the first acute stage, um, we do that with layered bandaging. Now, that's not putting an ACE bandage on tightly. This is done with what's called a special stretch bandage, foam padding, 
in multiple layers. So you're going to look a little bit like Michelin Man by the time we finished. And then you'll come back, and after a day or two, that swelling will have gone down. Now, in conjunction with that, we also do a special manual lymphatic drainage called MLD. And that's my specialty. And so MLD is similar to a massage, but it's actually a pumping motion done firmly but gently on the lymphatic system to manually move the fluid out. And this is so effective, if done correctly, we can shift one to two liters of fluid in 24 hours. And so we have to be careful. There are some contraindications. Obviously, heart failure would be a big one. We wouldn't want to be moving that amount of fluid so quickly. So MLD to help open up the lymphatics, open up areas to reroute the, the swelling, basically, finding out where the blockage is, working the lymph around the blockage, and then out through into the blood and out through the urine. And then putting your compression on to keep the swelling down. So that's done over a series of days. It can take two or three weeks, sometimes four weeks, um, consecutively bandaging and doing the manual lymphatic drainage until we get to the point where we think this is as good as it gets. And usually, as I said, if caught early enough, um, your arm or your leg will, will look pretty similar to the other one. Um, the, the specialists take very great care in um, measuring, comparing limb size. Um, there's all sorts of technology coming out with digital cameras now, but usually we just use the tape measure to measure around on certain points of your leg or your arm or your neck, and we can see some dramatic changes just within a couple of days. Um, and that usually goes on for, as I said, three or four weeks. And your therapist is also going to teach you how to do good skin care because keeping your skin clean and moisturized is absolutely paramount in stopping infection getting in. So if you think about where the blockage is, what's actually happened is there's now bacteria, proteins, all kinds of things in that blockage. Um, and it can become a breeding ground for bacteria. So keeping your skin clean and moisturized and a good skin barrier is really important. And then lastly, helping to um, work out a good movement and exercise plan for you as you go home. And then um, once you go home, hopefully you'll have your plan and you'll be able to follow up your own self-care. Well, that sounds like it's a really good list of ways that this can be approached. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how long-term is the treatment. Does it recur? And there are there some ways that people who get this can find ways to improve their life going forward so that it doesn't become such a burdensome condition that unfortunately has, as you mentioned, stage three, some serious consequences. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll be right back after this break. We'll continue our discussion with Nurse Louise Tanswell, our lymphedema expert today. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Louise Tanswell on the line. She is a nurse specialist in lymphedema, and we are talking today about the lymphatic system. What happens when it doesn't go the way you want it to, and what are the ways that we can help it to function better to keep people moving and going about their lives without having significant, you know, in some cases, disfiguring swelling that occurs. Now, right before the break, you went through a four-pronged way to this approach to taking care of lymphedema, compression, lymphatic, manual lymphatic drainage, more compression, and then movement and exercise. And you mentioned that this is something that you would do as a treatment to avoid having somebody go into further stages. Is this the type of condition that can be cured? Well, there is no cure for lymphedema. Um, Many of the um, charities and nonprofits are trying to raise money for more research for a cure. Unfortunately, um, you know, there's no medications out there that can cure this right now. Um, There are some surgeries that have come up on the horizon, and these are super microsurgery that's been done on the mainland, and it's it's extremely exciting. They're doing node transplants and also lymph vessel grafting. Um, But generally, here on the islands, it can, can, can be controlled just by being very vigilant about your uh, follow-up care at home, and and I know I know some of the reasons why it is difficult. Um, you know, having to wear a garment, a compression garment, it can be really hot, it can be tight, it can be very difficult to put on. And so, if you don't think you need to wear it, you know, sometimes that goes um, by the by, and then a few weeks later, your arm will start swelling up again. So, you know, I hate to say it, but you really do have to be um, motivated and empowered to take control of this disease and come up with a plan so that you're the driver, you're in the center of this, and you you understand it, you know how to take care of it. Um, You know, that involves knowing your triggers, and there's lots of things to avoid. For example... I mentioned overheating can cause a flare-up of swelling. You know, once we've got it down, we don't want you to take extensive saunas, jacuzzis, or use any heating pads on that area. Um, also, doing any kind of deep massage can cause internal heat, which can also cause a flare-up of swelling. Um, going on a flight can sometimes cause a swelling if you don't wear your garment that's a particularly important time to wear compression um, when you're on the airplane. Insect bites, having an IV or blood pressure taken on the affected arm can also trigger a swelling or an infection. And simple things like carrying a heavy strap on that side on your handbag can also you know, obstruct your lymphatics. So what can people do to keep their lymphatics healthy. I mean, is this one of the situations where if you just don't have the tendency to get this, you never will? Or should all of us be working on doing some of those same things you talked about, wearing compression stockings? You know, I know a few years back they developed, uh, they discovered this whole entire situation called coach class syndrome, which was blood clots developing in people who would be sitting for extended period of time on an airplane. And so they would get blood clots, DBT, 
disease, as you talked about them, deep venous thrombosis, which can lead to problems with lymphedema. And so a lot of folks, even those without this condition, will wear compression socks. They sell them as, quote, the travel sock. They wear them on airplanes, limit leg swelling. And so in that case, you know, that's a proactive way to avoid having a clot, which could lead to lymphedema. But should we all be working on lymphedema prevention activities? Well, as I said, it's really understanding the disease and knowing the risks and being able to identify it quickly. Um, wearing you know, a compression garment, if you have a risk of lymphedema, may be helpful. I'm not sure if there's any uh, research to prove that right now. Um, one of the things we're trying to do is to be proactive is to make patients aware before they have surgery that their lymphatics may get damaged and they may develop lymphedema. And giving uh, them the signs and symptoms to be watching yes, out for yes. helps to empower yes. them a bit. Okay. Yes. So having that in the preoperative talk, and I know some doctors are concerned that, you know, it may sway them against having the surgery if they're worried about lymphedema, but it's just really empowering them to have that knowledge, to recognize it early and know the risks. Um, obviously, if you have a risk of it, keep moving, um, whatever you enjoy doing. You know, they found that um, being in the water is one of the best things you can do because it's like having compression on. You have your own compression from the water. You don't have to swim. You know, you can walk in the water, move your arms in the water, and that helps contain the lymphatics. Um, doing slow movements like Tai Chi, doing your deep belly, uh, deep belly breathing in yoga, can also help. Um, I think keeping your weight down, not becoming obese and putting extra stress on your lymphatics is another important um, thing to consider. And some naturopaths, you know, are introducing more healthier diets, um, especially for lymphedema patients. So really the the message is to, to get moving and keep moving, even if it's just a small amount every day. So you mentioned that the movement is something to always continue to do. I like the idea of going in the ocean and you have your own natural compression from from the water, but also just because I like going in the ocean. So, yay, there's a good reason. But you mentioned that there might be some dietary changes. I'm curious, are there certain supplements and things that can actually promote healthier lymphatic flow? Um, There are some books on that and some naturopaths that have um, found that. I'm not sure if it's actually uh, research-based, but I do know patients, you know, they swear by drinking lemon juice, um, taking ginger, for instance, and we have plenty of that on the island. So I know that ginger tea is a, is a you know, definite boost to the lymphatics. Um, just eating generally healthy, um, eating colorful food, but just how you would eat normally when you're trying to eat healthy, I would recommend, definitely, and not not put weight on. Now, you mentioned that you have founded Lymphacare Hawaii, and that's a new new area that you have a focus and effort to want to continue. Yeah. What is your goal? Where do you see, where would you like to see lymphedema care go here in the islands? Well, um, it would be my dream for everybody that has this disease to have quick access to care. Um, it would be wonderful to set up some freestanding clinics where patients can walk in and get treated. Um, 
regardless of their ability to pay for it. The other thing I didn't mention was that this is an expensive disease for patients to have. Everything is generally covered in that acute phase, but during the home phase, you're expected to buy your own compression garments for the rest of your life. And they can run up, you know, two or three hundred dollars if they have to be fitted especially. Well, I have to tell you, Louise, we are going to have to have another discussion on lymphedema because you mentioned a lot of wishes and goals, and I hope we do see that here in the islands. But I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us here today on The Body Show and absolutely welcome you back. We need to do a part two on lymphedema because we just scratched the surface literally in getting to learn more about this condition and ways that people can be more proactive. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will let you know when we get a chance to do part two with Louise. And thank you for listening right here on The Body Show.